Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Welcome to Blue Jays Nation Radio, episode 54. This is my second take at doing the intro because I'm not very good at it. I'm not a radio guy like Tyler Uremchuk, in case you hadn't noticed, but unfortunately, Tyler's decided he no longer likes baseball. The Blue Jays broke his heart this year, and he said he's never going to walk, watch or speak about baseball ever again. So it's me, Cam Lewis, your host, with my good friend, Brendan Kuhn. Brendan, how's it going? I'm doing well. Yeah, I'm not the big hockey guy like Tyler, so uh, always eager to talk baseball at any opportunity. Has there been any baseball going on recently? I, I haven't personally been paying any attention. I don't know. We're the Solar Sox and the Arizona Fall League. Gabby Moreno is lighting it up down there. And uh, yeah, so the baseball continues, and <laughs> that is what we are enjoying. Yeah, I saw, your, I saw your post on Twitter. I think it was yesterday during World Series Game 6 where you were imitating somebody at work being like, oh, did you catch the big baseball game yesterday in regards to the World Series? And you were like, yes, the Arizona Fall League is fantastic. Because that's <laughs> what we're paying attention to because, to be completely frank, that World Series was pretty much unwatchable. Like, I'll, I'll be honest, I probably watched about six, seven, eight innings of that all told. It was remarkably uncompelling just like non-competitive games uh whoever won the game in most cases was like had a stranglehold on the game early and just never gave it up uh there was the one comeback in game five by houston that was entertaining and other than that and even then like they made the comeback and then got a decent lead and then it was was a mid-game comeback it was yeah it happened like a fifth inning there was like no compelling eighth or ninth innings in this series and the playoffs in general were really dull. And I don't know if that's just my blue Jays colored glasses and like being bitter towards the playoffs, but other than the San Francisco, uh, Los Angeles series, um, right out of that, uh, actually pretty good wildcard game too. the Dodgers and Cardinals played, but other than that, uh, yeah, those first two Dodgers series, the playoffs in general were just kind of uh, boring. Uh, we're, everybody was much like us ready to get to 2022. Yeah, 100%. I am, from a Blue Jays perspective, it leaves a sour taste in your mouth because I, I felt that just about every turn it felt like, geez, if the Blue Jays were involved in this, they'd be doing better. You know, it was the wild card game and the, the Yankees looked like a corpse. The Red Sox just walked all over them and I thought, okay, like if it was the Blue Jays going into Fenway, this would be better. It was, um, you know, the Rays looked really bad. Boston, you know, stomped them and it was like geez you know the, the Rays look bad and injured and tired like the Jays could have gotten through Tampa Bay 
And then and the White Sox were frauds, yeah, man. They were so good. I don't even say so good. They were so good the first half of the year, mediocre second half. Yeah. They had this pitching staff and a lineup of pretty decent hitters, but they played in such a garbage division. The moment they got yeah. squared up against the Houston Astros, they looked terrible. And not that a four-game sample is like a way to paint the entire you know White Sox season, but they had an incredibly uncompetitive schedule. Like when you look at their schedule during the year versus the Blue Jays. And they won what, like two more games or three more games than the Jays? Something like that. Um, yeah, I mean the the Jays. I, I want to say were pretty easily a better team than them, um, and they were very quickly exposed in that uh, in that series. And like really, very little went right for them. So yeah, I mean the AL was not overly strong. Um, the Astros were, I think, the best team. I, I think they were probably. the right team to advance. If Tampa um, was fully healthy, I'd say they're probably the best team. Yeah, if with they a, with a healthy Tyler Glasner, Glasner. Glasner. Yeah. yeah, that's the thing. They, Tampa lacked the ability to pitch somebody deep into a ball game, um, which isn't necessary, of course. But like, yeah, just being able to give a bit of breathing room to your um, to all your relievers and stuff like that. Yeah, Glasnow would have been big for Tampa. He's out for next year too. Um, I'm assuming they're going to move on from him. So yeah, I mean, Tampa at 22, 2022, it, it'll be really interesting to see what they do with the rotation because they really didn't have much of one outside of Shane Baz at the end there. Shane McClanahan, they just do short starts with. So, yeah, it's just, it, it's not a, and, and the Astros are going to get worse. And sorry, my, my answer to this has started to pivot to 2022, <laughs> which is what we're all so excited about. But, like, the AL's wide open. Like, the, the AL East is going to be a pain in the butt. We're going to hate that once again, because it's a grind to play in this division. But at the same time, I don't think any team is going to be like elite, elite in the AL. The Blue Jays have a very good chance to be that one team that kind of steps up and is that next year. So they do. Just let's hope. I guess we can. What do you want to talk about the World Series first? Do you want to talk about AA first or do you want to talk about the offseason first? What do you want to do first? Yeah, we may as well just get into the discourse of the day amongst Blue yeah. Jays, Twitter, okay. Blue Jays we'll get, Radio. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll, <laughs> we've kind of buried the lead here because what I was going to get to is that the Braves, who won, what they win, like 66 games this year or something, and they made the playoffs, you know, it didn't make any sense. So the Braves won 88 games this year. The Jays beat them six times, 6-0 against Atlanta. I think it was pretty easy to say that the Jays were better than the Braves this year, which makes it frustrating. They won the World Series, but... To be fair to the Braves, when we did see them, they didn't have this magic Alex Anthopoulos outfield that he put together ahead of the trade deadline. It was the best trade deadline Anthopoulos has had in his career as an exec. And now given Anthopoulos became the first ever Canadian to GM a a team to a World Series, that's really cool. But in the same vein, people are now using this as a way to complain about the Blue Jays, which I think is kind of dumb because... Yeah, Atlanta won the World Series, and that's great. But the Jays are still really good, right? Context matters, and the context of the National League and the National League East and the way they were able to win that division, which good for them. I mean, winning the division is important and uh, uh, is an accomplishment regardless of how many teams are in your division or how good the teams are in your division. But as we've said exhaustively the last month, the Blue Jays won 91 games. And they did so in what was probably the strongest top four, certainly the strongest top four a major league baseball division has ever seen in this uh, six division era of baseball. Um, So like just objectively a sample size of 162 games, the blue Jays won 91 while playing two thirds of their season in road parks exclusively uh, minor league home ball parks where the opposition had more fans than the Jays did. 
Um, they had a lot of run differential bad luck, uh, a lot of one run losses that, um, you know, stacked up or at least close, close game losses that impacted them for a chunk of the year early. Blue Jays were a really good team and the Blue Jays, like 10 teams made the playoffs. The Blue Jays are absolutely in that group in the top 10 of yeah. 2021 major league baseball teams, especially at the end when you had a rotation, like everyone complained about the rotations in, in the playoffs, man, the Blue Jays could have thrown out Ray Ryu, uh, Barrios and Manoa. Manoa. Like That's what, what a four to have. And then if somebody gets hurt or if somebody needs to come out of a game quick, uh, a quick hook, like the playoffs have, you have Matt's is potentially a long guy yep. there to get you three or four effective innings in the playoffs. So Blue Jays were built for the playoffs. They just didn't happen to get there. Um, but their season should be seen as a screaming success. And I think this should point us back to the idea of one, the playoffs are very random. What happens in the playoffs is very random. The Braves enter the playoffs with the fewest wins of any team in the playoffs and just get in, just get in. And unfortunately some teams around baseball, the Braves among others, had far easier paths to get to the playoffs, and that's how they got in. The Blue Jays were one of the most accomplished non-playoff teams in the two wildcard era, and uh, that is why we are still bitter. What the conclusion should be for everyone in this situation is not the Cleveland crew is better or Alex Anthopoulos is better. The conclusion for everyone should be the Blue Jays should be in the National League East. <laughs> that is New it. CBA... We need to write in and figure out a way to get the Blue Jays taken out of this division. I am sick of it. I, it's actually really funny to think because, you know, we have 2015 and 2016. And at no point in those two seasons was I as confident as I was this year when the Jays were really rolling that the Jays could win the World Series. And yeah, the, and the interesting thing is when you look back to 2015-16, they at least was not the... No, it was, it was so bad. Right? So... Uh, kudos to AA who is really good at assessing his own team and his own division and deciding when it makes sense to go for it. He's talked at length about 2014 and learning a lesson of not making that charge when the team was like within a handful of games of the wild card or the playoffs at uh, the trade deadline time. And he hasn't backed away from that. He, I, I think uh, I want to say 2019, he had a quieter uh, deadline, which the team actually wasn't super happy about and fans in Atlanta were super upset about, but we've seen a number of, of deadlines where he just, and it's not necessarily go for it. Right. I think that's the funny thing about this, like the, the deification of his deadline moves. He didn't add impact guys like the blue Jays added Barrios as like a star pitcher. He just went and got four average ish outfielders and those guys contributed to the Braves making a run and getting a playoff spot. And then they became significantly above average in the playoffs. And uh, as we've seen with baseball, as we've seen with guys like Randall Gritchick, you can have an incredible three weeks while being an average or below average player. So like, you know, does an executive get credit for a player having a well-timed hot streak? I sure a little bit, but I, I saw like just tweets calling this like the greatest GM season ever. I'm like, they won 88 games. They won 88 games in a terrible division. It's not even his, it's not even his best GM season ever. Like no, I said, I said it. jokingly off the hop that it was the best trade deadline. Like that was sarcasm for anyone that doesn't yeah. know. Like it's nowhere near what, what 2015 was. It's not even close. 2015 was incredible. And again, like that is credit to AA. And again, this year, 2021 trade deadline is credit to AA. He made smart moves. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But you know what? The Blue Jays made smart moves at the deadline. The San Francisco Giants made smart moves at the deadline. The Dodgers added Scherzer and Trey Turner at the deadline. Like, we, we've got this, like, revisionist history of, of how we assess these things. Lots of teams made good moves. The playoffs are kind of random. And the, the Braves just had more players get hot at the right time. And kudos to them. That results in a World Series. I would love to be celebrating a World Series with a team that underperformed most of the teams above them and just had a great playoff. So take nothing away from them in that way. But, like, we need to evaluate and be honest about what the baseball playoffs are. There's a reason the season's 162 games because it takes a long time for the season, for things to normalize and for the best teams to show themselves to be that over a sustained period of time. And even then we've got teams like the blue Jays who don't make the playoffs despite showing how good they were. If the season was 200 games long, the Jays absolutely make the playoffs. So uh, circling back to the AA discourse, I uh, much like you said earlier, it would be really nice if we could just say good for Alex Canadian guy. We love him. Great personality and good for the Jays. Like both teams had great seasons and the Braves through circumstance were fortunate to have theirs advance to the playoffs and then advance further. But there was just, yeah, there's just silly takes out there. And sometimes it's just, you know, the, the minority can be the loudest. And I don't know how much this paints a picture of blue Jays fandom and fans out there. But yeah, there was just weird AA takes where, oh, what could have been if the, you know, if he was still here. And I'm thinking like, that that just doesn't make any sense. If you look at where the Blue Jays organization was in 2016, they had old major league players and no farm system whatsoever. They had a 17 year old Vladdy you could dream on, but he was 17. You didn't know what he would become. So this was a team that had nothing going for it as far as long-term outlook. That is what Shapiro was brought in to build Credit to him and his staff is what they did. The, the comparison should not be to the Braves and Alex Anthopoulos, who stepped into the number one farm system in the world, by the way. Like when he took over that job, mm-hmm. he had the best farm system in the world. Impact talent at the big leagues like Freddie Freeman. And that's why they won. Like they won 90 games his first year. And he made it, signing Annabelle Sanchez to a minor league contract was his most impactful move that offseason. Like, again, not to take away from him, he he called up his young guys and let them let them play at the big league level and they were outstanding but in 2016 the jays top prospects were richard arena and uh alford okay so on mlb pipeline richard arena was the number one prospect man in the blue sean reed foley number two anthony alford number three reese mcguire four harold ramirez number five that's rough the Blue Jays had nothing going for them. So we should, aside from the AA talk, look at what they were able to do in a short period of time. Be like, this is incredible. Because in the playoffs in 2015-16, Baltimore, Texas, Kansas City, those are the teams the Jays should be compared to. They were teams that were strong, but older, and approaching maybe a rebuild, reset, however you want to call it. But those teams are still floundering and still considered rebuilds. And the Blue Jays were one game away from their second straight playoff appearance and a trajectory that is as good as anybody has in baseball. So if AA had a state around, the, like what, where the Jays currently stand is probably the best case scenario you could have envisioned in the year 2016, looking ahead three, four years. If AA sticks around, this would have been his best case scenario of getting to this type of talent in that period of time while the AL East became much stronger once again. So Man, there's a lot of credit that should go around. Credit to AA, credit to this uh, this front office of the Jays. Everybody should be happy. 
everybody should be happy. And when you tweet nonsense about, you know, longing for AA, it makes it harder to be happy for him because it's such a bad faith look at where the Jays are. And Alex said that in uh, an interview on Wednesday on uh, Blair and Barker on Sportsnet, he spoke about how like the Jays, how easily they could have won the world series this year. And they've got a great foundation and they have such a great outlook and how just kind of everything worked out best for both sides and, and all parties. And, and that's really how we should look at it in my opinion. Yeah. There's, there's one other thing that kind of gets completely overlooked here and it's kind of um, the fact that Alex Anthopoulos and I wrote about this on the site on Wednesday, that he's a completely different general manager now than he was in 2015. Right? Like, Yep. Even just think back to the the, the kind of the, the three big years, 2013 to 2015. Like it all starts off with the Marlins trade that came out of the blue, and then there's the Dickey trade, and then it gets kind of quiet for a little while as the team didn't work out, and then it's you know Donaldson trade, um, uh, all the trade deadline moves, Tula Witz, yeah, yeah, like all these huge moves, and then there was the rumor that Shapiro had come in and he scolded AA, and that's why AA left, and both sides refuted that. Apparently, it wasn't actually real, but you know, the damage was done among, amongst Blue Jays fans. It was like, yeah, Shapiro was going to come in and cheap out and kill our beloved team. But now what's happened with AA, where he is now, is he is kind of that GM that, you know, the opposite of what Shapiro apparently scolded, quote-unquote scolded, right? Like now now AA is the, the guy who doesn't trade top prospects. Like you look at the guys he inherited, didn't move any of them, right? Like... Albies, Acuna, um, Max Freed, like all of those guys, um, top level prospects when he inherited them. I remember thinking, oh, geez, like this is going to be sick. Alex Anthopoulos is the GM of the Braves. He's going to trade all their prospects for in crazy deals. This is going to be sick. But he completely changed when, because he, in between with the Jays and the Braves, everyone forgets, he spent two years working in the LA Dodgers front office with Andrew Friedman, who's the architect of the Tampa Bay Rays Moneyball. So he's a completely different GM now. So, I mean, even if he had stayed in Toronto, like he, he, he it's, it's not 2021 Anthopolis there right. now. It's not, it's not the same guy, right? It's, it's and just I, completely different. And if you look at his resume, um, he came up with the Expos early, but then early on was in the Blue Jays front office and he's dealing with uh, Paul Beeston as the president. And look, Paul Beeston, very nice guy. Um, he would say this himself. He was not a modern baseball president. He was not a modern business executive. He was old school and he did not adapt or grow with the times very well. And there started to be a disconnect once you're in this era of like hyper player development and, and sports nutrition and all this stuff that is so critical within baseball circles. That was not Paul Beeston's forte and it never was going to be. This is who Alex is learning from. So there was a bit of a blind spot when it came to some of these critical components within baseball that Alex just didn't have exposure to. That's not his own fault. He no. was employed by the Blue Jays, right? So that's not a shot at him. Not at all. But that's why him having the foresight to think, I'm just going to go work in LA for a year or two. Joining the Dodgers is an amazing go, decision. Yeah, I'm going to learn from guys I really respect in the league, and then I will be better equipped for my next opportunity which ended up being a great one in atlanta so he had phenomenal foresight to look at that turn down the blue jays offer um and and i'll, I'll quit i want to quickly revisit that the the shapiro shapiro aa pairing was never going to work and it's not because either of them are bad guys shapiro uprooted his life and left the only organization he ever really knew moved his family to another country because somebody gave him a job as president of the team 
where he was going to have baseball responsibility. So for him to keep AA and not have AA feel like he's receiving a demotion in the process, Mark Shapiro was going to have to step back and say, okay, the baseball role that I was excited about here, I'm now not going to be involved in. That wasn't fair to him. He, he just uprooted his life for that job. And for Alex, Paul Beeston wasn't the baseball head. He was the yes or no guy on numbers and contracts and stuff like that. But Alex ran the show when it came to baseball decisions. And for him, he would have seen it as a demotion, even though it came with a significant pay increase. So that pairing just didn't make sense. Not that it's anybody's fault. The pairing didn't make sense. So again, credit to Alex for staring down a $10 million check and saying like, that's what he was offered $10 million and saying, no, I'll, I'll have opportunities to make money in a couple of years. Uh, this situation like has run its course. The ownership has made their decision. They, they like Mark. And even though they're asking me to stay, um, I should probably just, you know, move on. So again, respect to all parties there at how that breakup happened and it shouldn't be villainized in the way it has been. And from there, Mark Shapiro got to hire his guys and grow and set a foundation uh, on all things baseball um, development side and all that, which is a specialty of his. And that's how the Blue Jays are positioned where they're positioned today. Alex got to go learn. He got handed the keys to a great um, situation in Atlanta. He runs the baseball show exactly as he would want to. And he's got a thriving thing going as well. So, and he said, he believes like all things just work out or they happen, things happen and you would adjust. And he says, if that stuff in Toronto hadn't have happened, he wouldn't have ended up in LA and learned what he did and he wouldn't have gotten the Atlanta job. And now he's a world champion. So he's very happy with how it played out. The Blue Jays are happy with how it played out. There's a mutual respect there. He spoke glowingly about where the Jays are. And, uh, and yeah, that's just kind of where we should be about it. And, and I say that as somebody who has spent like hours arguing with people on online because of these bad faith arguments. And I'm a contributor to this because of that. So I'm, I should be talking to myself here, but yeah, I mean, like, let's just be happy. Let's, let's just be happy for where the Jays are. We'll bemoan the fact that the NL East exists and the NL Central and the AL Central and all these stupid divisions that we don't get to take advantage of as a big market baseball club. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I hope the team is motivated. I don't think this motivates them any further, but like they want to go win a World Series next year and they're going to make moves to try and make that happen. All right, before we jump into talking about the other stuff we're going to talk about, which is the collective bargaining agreement and an early look at the offseason, I have to do an ad read for Twig and Berries. They usually sponsor 3-Up, 3-Down, but there is no 3-Up, 3-Down because we're in the offseason. So head over to twigandberries.ca, use the promo code NATION15 and get yourself a toque or a sweater or socks. That kind of thing because it's winter and it's cold and it's dark at 5 p.m. and it's awful. So buy yourself something nice and comfortable. Anyway, so now we've finished all of our Alex Anthopoulos talk. We can move on. <laughs> Forget it ever happened. There you go. <laughs> and talk about what actually matters, which is the Blue Jays and whether or not there's going to be a, any movement this offseason until the CBA gets worked out. Because we, we could have a very, very, very slow offseason. Yeah, it kind of feels like there will be maybe minor moves made over the next 27 days until the official CBA expiration date of December 1st. Um, and by far the most likely outcome of that is a lockout. Um, I, it's not fun to stare that down. The end result might be, you know, an, an agreement beginning of February. And then there's a signing frenzy that baseball just never has. So that'd be fun to end up with a really fun week or two of the off season. 
But something I really enjoy about the off season is that like any moment, some huge news can just drop out of nowhere. Yeah. You know all so, about that. Eh? <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> it's fun. Look, it's even more fun to be on that side of it, but yeah, it, it's, it's really cool uh, or entertaining. Like it's slow, right? The off season's slow. And that part is kind of a bummer, but just, there's always this like feeling of, and I say this as a, you know, a baseball player transaction junkie. I love blue Jays or not. I love this stuff. And just something huge can come out of nowhere. Like when the Padres traded for mm-hmm. what, like Musgrove and Darvish and Snell yeah, and all with of those were like within like, yeah, a couple days. days. Right? It was just wild. It was just fun to enjoy that kind of stuff happening. Um, and just, you know, if there's a lockout and knowing like for what, like six, seven, eight weeks, potentially, like we just won't have any news. That, that part sucks. But I, what my thoughts on the CBA are, even if there's some, some general consensus that both parties in good faith want to get this done and they see the value in getting it done. The, the fundamental change that the players association is rightfully looking for is just such a giant shift from how like pre-arbitration arbitration years, player control currently exists that I don't even know where they're going to start. Like what, what do they propose that's so wildly different from the current setup and then how do the owners even respond to that? Cause they don't want to give this up. Right. So the reason I see the CBA being very complicated is the players seem more invested now than ever in shortening the amount of player uh, control yep. that the team has. And they also are incentivized or wanting to pay players more earlier, which again, valid points now that we're in the era of analytics and teams are trying to pay less for future performance or for past performance. And they want to pay you for future performance rightfully. So finding that balance feels like it's going to be an impossible task for them to arrive at a place where they're both happy. And then what are the implications of that? Is it, is this just for the future, but current players in the big leagues exist in the same way? Are the blue Jays suddenly going to find out that, they have one less year of control over Vlad and Bo. Yeah. Just because there's like how a do you how do you put that? these rules in? Right. right. How do you and, and players who are one year from free agency, are they suddenly free agents now? Like there, there's fundamentally such a massive implication. This would be so much easier to negotiate if you were only talking about not like existing minor league players and what their future looks like. But once you talk about players like Vlad and Bo, where if you shorten their free agency by a year or two, all of a sudden you're talking that that decision carries like $50 million implication. Like it's, it's, it's massive. So I don't know how they're going to get to a place where they agree. Um, and like I said before, even if it's all in good faith, I, the, the negotiate, the amount of stuff they need to negotiate to get to a place where the players are happy with the change and the owners will sign off on it. Seems like a bridge almost impossible to cross. So yep. yeah, I'm not, I'm not optimistic where we're getting anything anytime in December. No, neither am I. I mean, I remember um, thinking back to the whole situation back in March, April, May 2020, before they got the COVID season rolling. And it was just like so much labor battle going back and forth. It was, yeah, it was really ugly. It was really bad. You can just tell there was so much bad blood between the players and the owners. Like I remember, I think it was Blake Snell that was doing like a video game live stream. And he was like actively calling out the owners for how hard they were trying to fuck the players with the the COVID season. Like, oh, we don't want to pay guys this and that. And they were getting, you know, the 
the lower class players bickering with the higher class players trying to divide the players association and it just seems like this storm has been brewing for so long and the other thing to consider too is that while the players association might be divided between you know young guys old guys uh rich guys middle class guys xyz the owners are going to be all split up too right like i mean Baseball's got a class of teams that are terrible and don't spend any money. And like half of major league baseball isn't really actively trying to win. And are they all going to vote in the same way? Like, is it going to be different? Is it yep. going to be the same? Like, Jesus, there's, there's, there's just, there's just no so many layers in this sport right now. Yep. It's baseball's a mess. And the, the weird thing is too, is all the player reps in baseball are veterans, right? Like those are guys yeah. who have been in the league at least five, six, seven years. So those are the guys who want to get paid in free agency. And I, I mean, selfishly and, you know, somewhat reasonably selfishly, they need to look out for themselves opposed to just trying to, you know, make life better for future major leaguers, right? Like that, I, I can't imagine negotiating completely absent of caring about your own self-interest. So, and that probably works in the owner's favor, by the way, is that these guys want to get paid, which means they're kind of less incentivized to yeah. increase pay for the guys younger than them. Cause that screws up that's your free the, agency. Right? Exactly. Like, but that's the smartest thing for the future of the sport from an overall players association standpoint. So th- there will probably be infighting within the PA about this as well. And that's a hard place for Tony Clark and for them to be. So it's just weird. It's, it's a very weird situation um, to be negotiating in that way. And I've long been an advocate. I, 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 I'm, I'm, you know, pro labor, pro, pro the players here and them getting as much money as possible. But the players union also doesn't look out for the minor. They're not accountable for minor leaguers or players who are, aren't on 40 man rosters. Um, but I've long, you know, been frustrated by the lack of involvement in those talks as well. Cause when you talk about what guys are paid, the problem is far worse below the major league level than it is at the major league level, even though the major league level is exploitative of, um, you know, of these like seven years that you need to be, you know, at the major league level to become a free agent. But when you got minor leaguers making $10,000 a year, that's something that needs to change too. And that's not even part of this discussion. So as far as who I care about the most, it's those minor leaguers who are making nothing and potentially facing retirement because they literally can't afford to play the sport of baseball. And then it goes to the players at the major league level and, and, you know, always happy to see a guy get paid in any circumstance except Randall Gritchuk. Um, so <laughs> apologies, apologies, Randall. Um, but yeah, it just, there, there's, there's a lot of complicated factors here and, and it is nice that they've been negotiating more behind the scenes and not in an ugly way, public facing, as you mentioned. Um, and, and maybe we'll be surprised and they'll just come out one day with an agreement, but the owners feel like they've been ta- or sorry, the players feel like they've been taking yeah. advantage of in the past. They don't like that perception, which makes sense. And they want to get this right. And them wanting to get this right is not what the owners want. So that's where we end up in what I anticipate to be, you know, a a shutdown that takes us into sometime in 2022. And for whatever reason, maybe this is misguided. I I don't think we're going to lose games. I don't think it's in anybody's interest to have games lost. Owners are down money after not having fans last year and, you know, limited less fans than typical this year. And the players lost a lot of salary last year and they don't want 
two out of three years to have to be facing significant salary reductions. So no, there's incentive to get this thing going, but at the same time, I don't know where they start. I'd love to be a fly on the wall and learn some of, of these conversations happening. Remember the last CBA, it felt like the players had a united strong front and then the CBA came out and it's like, this isn't much of a change. It, it felt like they panicked. And I think they're, they're aware of that perception and they don't want to feel that way again. And Tony Clark is being paid to make it feel like the players win something. So yeah. Um, yeah. I do think we'll, we'll see some rule changes that I think will be nice removing the uh, pitchers hitting from the national league. Uh, yes. I think we'll see expanded playoffs, which again, another, you Good know, for us. Check, yeah, another check in the box for the Blue Jays making a playoff run. And as we talked about earlier, just get in and see what happens from there. So that's good from a Jays perspective. Um, so, yeah, rule changes, stuff like that. You know, uh, we'll see that and that'll be interesting. But the biggest thing here is all about pay for the zero to six players, zero to six year service time players and what that means. And that'll be fascinating to see play out. And uh, I can't wait to get across the finish line so we can see the details and then get into the player movement part of the offseason. Yeah, because this new CBA is going to have massive ramifications on <clears throat> how this offseason looks for the Blue Jays. And I mean, as we've discussed a million times, this is probably one of the most important offseasons in Blue Jays history. Yeah, like, absolutely. You know, this, this, this last season was fantastic. They missed the playoffs, as we all know, but 91 games with that young group, despite spending two-thirds of the season on the road, like very impressive, it seems like things are right around the corner, but you've got your Robbie Ray and your Marcus Semyon free agent. So one thing I want to ask before we sign off here, and I have to do one more final ad read, and it's for the sports closet. If you want to go ahead and buy yourself a Jersey, head over to sportscloset.ca. We've got blue Jays, hockey, blah, 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 X, Y, and Z. Go buy yourself a Robbie Ray or a Marcus Semyon Jersey or wait for a few months and get one half off. Because that leads perfectly into what I was going to talk to you about. Is So Tyler and I talked about this last time, but Dan Shulman thinks that the Blue Jays can afford both of them, but they won't. And the Blue Jays are ultimately going to take the compensatory draft picks and let them go. What do you think is going to happen with Semyon and Ray? Yeah, I think Semyon is likely as good as gone. I don't think the Jays look at you know a second 32-year-old uh, position player free agent and as somebody they want to give another 140, 150 million to after doing so with George Springer last year, not because of George Springer regret, but I just don't think they want to have two of those guys who are in yeah. their decline years making, you know, 50 million uh, combined down the road when it's time to play, to pay that Vlad and Bo, the, the really big salaries. Which that could happen have. sooner than expected, depending on right. the CBA, right? Right. So a lot of implications with that as well. But yeah, I think Robbie Ray, just being a pitcher, uh, being somebody who obviously, you know, it meshed really well with the, the staff, you know, uh, by all accounts, loved what the Jays have going on. Um, I think Robbie Ray is the most realistic of the two. Uh, I, I think it's reasonable to look at, to very much take at face value what, Mark Shapiro and his previous media availabilities has said that we don't need to bring back any one player. Our goal is just to, to get better. So they're going to have X amount of dollars to play with and they need to spend that money in the best way that they can for the 2022 ball club. So the incredible years we saw from Ray and Simeon does not mean that's what they project at to do performance wise next year. There's, there's no way any, but any baseball team's internal projection looks at Robbie Ray and Marcus Samian and says, yes, what they did in 2021 is our expectation for them next year. Um, those were career years for both those guys. 
and you would expect them to take a bit of a step back. Now, a small step back for either of those guys is still worth $25 million, right? Yes. But it's it's then projecting years beyond that. And how much of a step back they take? Uh, Semyon, he out he outperformed statistically what his expected stats were based on his quality of contact. He hit a lot of home runs, but his strikeout rate went way up and his walk rate went down from the past. So there were some slight worrying signs. Uh, no certainty that that trend continues. He might've just changed how he hit. And by making that change, it worked for him. Robbie Ray, phenomenal pitcher, but if his velocity drops at all, being a two pitch guy, does that all of a sudden revert back to, even if he keeps his control, if he just has less stuff in a year or two, does that mean he's, you know, now a mid tier pitcher, a number four starter opposed to, you know, this number one or two type guy. So those are the things the teams weigh and they all have their internal projections and likeliest outcome and, you know, uh, playing with the percentiles, but the Jays are in this enviable position where they're going to have money to spend and they can let the market come to them. If both those guys have markets that trend above $130 million, which I think is quite possible. There's a lot of teams that want to spend money this year, by the way, like once the CBA gets cleared out, we're going to be seeing, remember that Steven Strasburg contract came out and it just like, Holy crap, like yeah. $240 million for Strasburg and all his arm injuries. That offseason, Garrett Cole getting $320 million or $330 million, however much he got, that offseason had so many surprise numbers. And, and the Hughes was a surprise, I think. Ryu at 480 and Wheeler at uh, 5118, and he got offered like 5126 by Chicago White Sox. He just took a smaller deal with Philly. So like I think we're gonna have that type of off, that type of offseason where every contract of that tier of player is gonna be higher than we're maybe expecting or thinking will be the case. So we we have to prepare for that. But then the Jays can look at it and just be like, let's be opportunistic. What's the best way to allocate our money? Is there potentially a short-term contract out there that you know somebody who's left stuck at the end of free agency and didn't get what everybody else got? And much like the Braves did a couple of years ago with Donaldson, right? Like he just fell into their lap as like a 22 million one year deal. That was a great deal. And then they looked at his performance and we're like, yeah, like we're not projecting him to age gracefully. So we'll thank you for tremendous value on a one year deal and let you go sign with the twins. So it'll play out like that. Um, and the Jays will simply just be looking for the best opportunities. It doesn't need to be the guys that they know because those guys aren't guaranteed to do what they did last year. No. My prediction would be both Sammy and Ray go. The Jays take the qualifying offers, get the draft picks. And I don't expect the Jays to be that heavy into free agency. I don't expect them going. I, I would expect them to be in the mix for big names, but I think this is going to be an off season of trades for the Jays. I think yeah. that it just kind of adds up. They have so many guys that are, you know, rule five, 40 man crunch. Like it's just the perfect time to go get like, you know, three guys from Oakland or something like that, you know, just a big, big trade, sell from the top of your farm, see what happens. It just seems like that kind of off season for the Jays, but that is enough talking for right now. We expelled a lot of energy on Alex Anthopoulos and the CBA. So what we're going to do is hit pause for now and come back next week and go through and do some free agent predictions. It's going to be very exciting. We're going to guess where every single player is going to go. And since you have a real insider here, there's a chance that maybe it's all real information. You never know. We'll right? see. Absolutely. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll look at the lists and we'll be well positioned next week with uh, a lot of the top 50 free agent lists from different publications we like to read and uh, predictions for how much money those players are going to get. And uh, yeah, that can put us in position to start piecing together what we want to see from the 2020 yes. days. 
we are going to really start roster baiting. We're going to we're going to pretend to be we're going to pretend to be Shapiro Atkins putting together our 2022 Blue Jays. It'll be a blast. So thank you very much for listening. And thank you, Brendan, for joining us. We will see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to Blue Jays Nation Radio, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. 